podcast episode 8.5. If you'd like to visit my website, feel free to do so at www.hugenhoff.org. If you had any questions about the podcast, please send an email to hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, you're probably asking what I mean by episode 8.5 as opposed to episode 9, and why I'm releasing in the middle of the month instead of the beginning of the month. Okay, first of all, it's not something that I'm going to do often. Basically, if you've listened to episode 8, you will notice that Laura and I had a bit of a conversation on autonomy and what it means, especially in connection to the Norse myth about how you get into uh, Nifel Hell, which is breaking of oaths, uh, seducing of other men's wives, and murder. Laura and I had a slightly disa- had a slight disagreement on exactly what those three things and had in common. I said that they all broke autonomy, and we had a short discussion on it. Now, in case anybody out there is interested, we have actually had another discussion on it and we happen to record it so it's not going to be a full hour but we sort of talked about what it takes to break autonomy what does autonomy mean um, what's the moral implications of breaking autonomy and also what's the moral implications of causing autonomy to be broken even if you are not directly breaking someone's autonomy if you're leading to someone's autonomy being broken now, I still think that the way you get into Nifel Hell and what those three things have in common is that they cause autonomy to be broken. So it's more important that autonomy is being broken as a result of the actions that you took. And, and personally, I think that's why you would go to Nifel Hell. And uh, Lauren and I talked about it for a little bit more, and I think the following conversation we had is going to help clear things up a little bit and maybe just help define exactly what we mean when we say breaking autonomy and what we think about it. So hopefully it will be enlightening and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. We were talking about uh, the Norse belief system. And the their eternal punishment area is called Nifel Hell. It's not actually eternal. Well, okay. It, it's the it's it's the hell for for um, for Norse people. And there are three things that you can do to go to Nifel Hell. Uh, as far as my understanding is, that's mm-hmm. that's it. And Let's see, one is murdering someone, uh, but right. mur- murdering is when you just kill someone and they don't know you're attacking, because usually if you if you kill someone and they know you're attacking and they accept the challenge, that's not murder, That's you've killed somebody though, but that's not knife or hell, because they accepted the challenge, I suppose. Um, right. And then... Well, the people agree to fight. Right. And the other one is... Uh, what was the other one? Breaking oaths. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you keep your word, basically. If you swear you're going to do something, you have to do it. Um, and then the third one, which led us on into deeper conversation, was the seduction of someone's wife. If you seduce another man's wife, you go to Nifel Hell. 
And the conversation uh, we got into was basically, does lying break autonomy? Because to uh, when you get married, the wife and you, uh, I'm assuming you're a man because you are, mm-hmm. um, you swear to, well, it, it depends on the marriage. But if, if, if it's like a general marriage, normal marriage, you swear to be with each other only. Right. And she possibly could have been deceiving her spouse and would then be able to be seduced. Now, you were saying that it breaks autonomy, or you're you're trying to break someone else's autonomy when you get the wife to break her oath, is my understanding of what the conversation was. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think we had a simpler question that might be better to start on. Okay. Where I'm asking, is line breaking autonomy, period? Because mm-hmm. I don't believe we agreed on that. Because I say that... If you tell if you tell a lie to somebody, you are breaking their autonomy. And, uh, or if you break an oath, that's not just a social convention. I think if you were to break an oath, you would actually be breaking somebody's autonomy. I don't see it either way. I really don't. Now, actions, the restriction of actions, will break someone's autonomy. You don't have to believe anyone. It's convenient and it's nice if we can believe everybody, but I don't think that's the case and you should only trust people who are trustworthy and you need to decide that. That's your decision. You aren't having your autonomy broken when someone lies to you. It's just a dick move. Okay, but on the other hand, couldn't you say with that logic – you know people will hurt you because people hurt each other in the world and you shouldn't put yourself in a situation where you could get hurt. It must be your fault that you got hurt because you put yourself in a dumb situation. I mean, to I don't some think ex- that's the case. To some extent, that's the case. I don't think that's ever the case. Okay, uh, okay. No, let's, it's, let, let me set up a scenario, okay? Okay. okay. Uh, you're an idiot if you go to a war ground and not expect to be shot at. Okay. That doesn't break anyone's autonomy if you get shot on a battlefield, because that is a battlefield. You're expected to be shot there. I think you can also expect people to lie to you. So would you say that you're, if you um, are dressed like a hooker walking around in the inner city where you know rape is common and you get raped, it's your fault? I th- because that was just a stupid place to be walking around dressed seductively? I don't think rape is ever a good thing, nor do I think that anyone should do it. On the other hand, if you're dressing like a hooker, sluttily, be you man or woman, in a place that is likely to get you raped, you're an idiot. It doesn't matter if you're an idiot or not. What matters is your autonomy was still broken. You are still forced to do something against your will. It's I not don't know. Your I don't know. Fault. It's I, the other person's you kind fault. Of, sounds like you want to get raped. <laughs> oh, let's get into legitimate rape now. No, no, it's always the same thing. If someone forces you to do something you don't want to do, it doesn't matter if you're an idiot or not. Okay, so it's, you, you have to explain to me how it is that you're being forced to do something against your will when someone lies to you. Okay, so autonomy, one of, one of the definitions and 
one that I like is it's the idea of self-government or being able to uh, enact your will. So, or make decisions. You get to make your own decisions instead of somebody else making decisions for you. Now, if you're going to make your own decisions, I think that if you're gonna, if if we're gonna say that you have the right to make your own decisions, if someone lies to you, they are not giving you the opportunity to actually make the decision that you would make. For example, like let's just do buying a car. I go up to you and say, I will give you a thousand dollars for your car, and you say okay. Now, if I'm like, okay, give me the keys, you give me the keys, then I run away and and take your car. That has broken your autonomy because, yes, you did agree to give me the keys, but your decision was to give me the keys in exchange for the $1,000. By my lying to you, I have broken your autonomy because I gave you a choice, you made the choice, but then I changed the choice after the fact. Uh... That's how it breaks. And okay, so that's, just that's an action, though. That's just not lying. You've you've stolen. That breaks the autonomy. How have I stolen? You gave me your keys of your own free will. But you let's fulfill the promise. So therefore, okay. Now let's put it. Let's put it in the marriage situation to see if it's different. Okay. I agree to marry you. This is just an example. Don't get excited. Hey. I I agree to marry you, mm. but you agree that you, let's say, won't have sex with other people. That's just what our agreement is. Okay, so I have agreed to get married to you in exchange for you not having sex with other people. Once I've made that decision, if you do the action of having sex with other people, you have broken my autonomy because I agreed to one thing, but then you changed the terms of agreement after the fact. Okay. It's kind of like breaking an oath at that point, though. Here's, well, here's, so here's the, the pro- Well, that's true. Now, here's the thing, though, and I, I wanted your kind of opinion about people's ability to change over time. Because I could see someone absolutely believing and saying one thing. Mm-hmm. Like, say, uh, two people are married, they love each other very much, and at the time, they absolutely want to be with each other forever. And then someone comes along, because this goes into the seduction line, and seduces one of them. And seducing, I don't think, is a bad thing. I think the bad thing is going through with it. Uh but um, people change is what I'm trying to say. That uh, they then were like, well, I, I promised this, but I can't control my feelings. Now, if they never went and did anything with them, are they still seduced even though they kind of have fallen in love with somebody else? Well, no, it doesn't matter. You know, unless your wedding O's are, I will never fall in love with another person. No, because you didn't lie. You didn't. You didn't say, hey, I'm never going to fall in love with somebody else. You said, hey, I'm never going to leave you for someone else, or I'm never going to whatever. It doesn't matter what you say. What matters is you do what you said you're going to do. I mean, you don't see marriage vows written as I will never be tempted to have sex with another woman because that would be unfulfillable. You would 
by necessity, because like you said, people change, you would be forcing people into an impossible to keep promise. But you, you do have the willpower to never act on it, and that's exactly what you should do. And if you think you're going to change, which you're right, people will change, then you shouldn't take such an oath. Right. If you think it's impossible to fulfill that oath, then you shouldn't take it. Yeah, but totally at the time you thought it was possible because it's exactly how you're feeling. And But okay. people change. And, okay, the the thing I want to say first and foremost about oathing is, is uh, you should only oath the things that you actually have control over. Mm -hmm. Emotions you don't have control over necessarily. You do have some to some extent, but like complete control over, no. Uh, nor do you have control over whether or not you die and all these other things. Mm. So when when a married couple owe to never fall in love with somebody else again, that's a silly oath. And it's likely to be broken. Yeah, and it probably will be, which is why they don't owe to that. They owe to stay true to this other person. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of the beauty of the oath. They're like, you know what? I may hate you in five <laughs> years. <laughs> I may despise my life the rest of my life. Five years from now, I may just, uh, you know, despise the next 65 years of life. But you know what? I'm willing to risk it. I'm willing to gamble that I'm going to always be happy with you and follow through with it. And then, you know what? If breaking that oath is the only way to be happy, I guess you're going to die miserable. But the oath is meaningless, especially to another person, if you're not taking a risk. That's the whole point of marriage. It's risky. It's scary. It is extremely dangerous is, and can is quite possibly turn out poorly. Is that the point of marriage? The point of marriage is you know the risks, you know the danger, you know that there's a chance you won't be happy, but you have enough faith in yourself and the other person that you're willing to take the risk. Okay, so well, I, I'm going to define marriage myself here because yours sounds very scary to people, I assume. Uh, uh, it should be scary. Look well, at our divorce right. Listen. It's been made too friendly. Professor, settle down. Mm -hmm. Settle down. To me, okay. marriage is when people come together and they want to share their lives together for for tentatively forever here's a problem uh, if and when we develop uh, medicine mortality uh, well I, I'm, I'm assuming that we probably won't get immortality but we'll probably live a very very long time at some point maybe not within our lifetimes maybe so and the risk runs where you oath to someone to be with them forever and it comes into the hundreds of years and that then becomes even more risky. And I would suggest to people who uh, are going to live a very long time to read a few books about immortality. And my favorite one uh, is Time Enough for Love. And this man, he marries several people in his life. And he loves every single one of them. But over a long enough period of time, you're going to wind up hating each other. Because it, it happens. Okay. Now, let's just... I don't... Obviously, I don't agree with that. However... It's a reasonable thing to think that that is the case. It's mm -hmm. very rational. Um, if that's the way you see it and you see marriage as two people sharing their lives for the key word here is tentatively forever, mm -hmm. I think that's great and you should totally get married. Your marriage, though, should say something like, I've heard this one a lot, until love lasts or as long as you should oath to be together as, as long, long as, as love, love lasts. lasts. Yeah. Because then – 
you do share your lives with the other person, but yeah. you have an out. Well, if you want I would, a built-in out, then I think that's fine. But just put it in there. Put it in your O's. That's true. And I would say it needs to be a little bit stronger than that because people do just jump ship as soon as uh, any kind of sour feeling happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And that is maybe until love has stopped lasting for three years or more. <laughs> well, I would I would say uh, okay. I actually have feelings for everyone I've ever been with, and it's unfortunate because it would be easier if I was to be able to stop uh, being in love. Uh, my my sense of love just does not ever really go away. It 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 does mute. It's not as loud as it once was, but I still care very deeply about everyone I've been with. Luckily, I don't think I've been with too many people, so it's kind of okay. But if I was a player, it would kind of suck because there would be hundreds of people. But uh, anyway, no, I still have feelings for Koba, and I wish to see her well. It's kind of mutated into um, brother. It's like sibling love right now. That's the kind of feeling I have for her, but... Love, for me, will never stop, so that's not a, a thing that I would ever have a problem okay. oathing to. Let's make the marriage, the marriage oath appropriate for America. Okay. <laughs> oath to be together until it's slightly inconvenient. Oh, well, there is that. Let's put that in there. Well, you could put something. I mean, if you don't, if you're scared, if you don't think that you'll be together with somebody forever then don't oath to be with somebody forever well in my experience it's silly for people to stay together if they're miserable because uh, I, I looking at my parents not that not that they were completely miserable together but they were basically completely miserable together i i don't know their actual true feelings because i'm not them but from outside appearances, they kind of did not like each other, and I don't know if they like each other now or not. They always made up in some fashion, but they were actually bad for each other. They got married way too young. But uh, it probably would have been better off for them to have left each other, and I think sometimes there needs to be an out for people like that. I, I'm not going to talk to anyone else's family. I can just talk about mine. But it's better for people sometimes to let go well i think what that underscores though isn't necessarily that you shouldn't make o's to other people so much as you should be more careful when you do it i think what happens a lot in today's society you are especially women bombarded with this idea that you must get married or you're a big failure mm -hmm. and you're just a whore if you don't get married I mean, <laughs> that's the sentiment and I think what we need to do is say, hey, look, um, you don't have to get married. You don't have mm -hmm. to take this oath or that oath. You can stay single or you can have a hand-binding ceremony or all sorts of things or a civil union or all sorts of things that are less severe than marriage. Or you can just state your oaths differently so that you do actually have an out. And I think that would be better than saying, oh, people shouldn't people should give up on marriages because once you've sworn the oath i mean it's you're you're sworn for a life at that point in time in my opinion yeah but because it's an I, oath otherwise you go to knife hell <laughs> well and i don't think that you necessarily i mean they talk about the well of weird and your actions and everything and the way i view it is if you do something like break one oath um 
you can probably, so to speak, make up for that through future actions. Mm. But if you're just breaking O's left and right, I I think that you would go to Knifeful Hell for that because, I mean, you're just destroying who you are. <sighs> well, I'm, I'm trying to think back on my marriage ceremony and uh, what we owe. And I don't as think far we had a forever oath in there. No, we didn't. And I don't think even divorcing... Uh, did anything about it because the oaths what we stated to each other basically still holds it's just that we are yes. no longer married and in your case it works out that I don't think your oath broken because of that which is which is a good thing that shows that you spent time thinking about the oath well being um, you know like okay so one of the rule of thumbs that you've brought up before and I agree with uh, for waiting to get married was what three years, mm-hmm. and then a year of uh, being engaged or something, or is it three years altogether? I had two years of engagement, or two years of dating, and one year of engagement, with the caveat that any time you break up, even for ten minutes, mm-hmm. it starts over. Mm-hmm. That even if you're in the engagement and you call it off because you get mad, the whole thing starts over. Okay. So an additional three years then. And uh, me and Koba did that. And it worked for a good long while. We always had issues because people do. You can't. There's no such thing as never having issues because that's an issue in itself. But, yeah, we grew apart. We had big problems there at the end. So, But I think... You put effort into relationship, and that's kind of going back to this whole being tempted out of relationship. I don't – it – describe to me why it's wrong to tempt somebody, because that's basically what it is. Seduction is tempting somebody. Because you are an accomplice to them doing something immoral. Let's ask another question. Okay. Let's say we're in Nazi Germany, <laughs> and um, you're a soldier just following orders. Let's say you're not even killing Jews. You are a secretary for Hitler. You do, technically, you do nothing wrong, but you're a really good secretary, and without you, Hitler couldn't make it. He would be out of power in days. Did you do something immoral? You knew Jews were dying. You knew who Hitler was, but you were the best secretary you could be. Did you, did just, you do something wrong? Did you just bring Nazis into this conversation? Did oh, you just Nazi, did you Nazis, just equate Nazism to 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 breaking wedding vows? The, the Nazis always come into moral. <laughs> no, seriously, the Nazis are a wonderful example for moral issues because everyone agrees what they did was wrong. So I'm, I am giving an extreme example, yes, but any principle that works on a big level should work on a small level. I believe that your morals should be consistent no matter how big or small the problem is. You know, obviously, there's different Okay, let me, let me, there's different let, levels. Let, let me still. put up a different level then because I want to word it differently than Nazis, okay? All right. So you have a friend. Mm-hmm. who you can tempt to steal from a bank. Now, you're not going to actually steal from the bank, mm-hmm. but you, you'll get some money from it because you, you're telling them how to do it and all this other stuff. Yeah. So, But you don't actually go in there. You're not doing anything yourself. 
this yeah. guy has actually gone in there and done the whole job and then given you some cash on the side. Because I would say, you know, tempting than getting sex. Kind of the same thing. You're breaking Okay, something. yeah, that makes sense. So is it wrong that you you kind of had this person go steal money? All right. Now, first, let me make it very clear. I think we have a legal system and not a justice system. Mm-hmm. But I happen to agree with him here. I think you would be considered an accomplice. <clears throat> and I also think... I very I do strongly believe yes you did something wrong what you did was immoral and you deserve some of the punishment if he's caught or not caught you did something morally apprehensible of that situation yes so you're saying that a person who's too weak-willed to stick to normal stuff is not is still at fault but the person who actually manipulated them is at fault too yeah I think that they're both at fault I think it's a situation to situation, almost impossibly fine line to say who's more at fault. Yeah. I guess the person doing it is more at fault as long as they were aware of what they were doing. You know, there could be situations where you can convince him to rob the bank, but he thinks it's a play and then the robber that's, wouldn't be at fault. Yeah, that's abs- – well, they would still be at fault for being naive, but that yes. would be more more fault towards the person tempting in that situation, it would be more fault towards the temp- person tempting, but I think in the situation where the other guy did it with full knowledge, he'd probably be more at fault. But yes, I think that you would be at fault. Now, what what do you think, same situation, is the tempter, not what he did was nice or not, but was what he did morally apprehensible? You would hold him accountable for it. I think it actually depends on the uh, the mental state of the person tempting. Like if it if they're doing it as a joke, kind of like yeah, you could totally rob a bank, blah blah blah. It's a joke. They're not really at fault. What they're doing is just being silly, and the person okay, ended well, up doing it. And that would be the same thing with someone trying to someone like flirting and tempting, but they're doing it in a yes. joking manner. That's that to me is not actual seduction. Now, do you think seduction? Does seduction uh, ultimately lead to sex? Is what you're saying? Because if it, if it's just flirtation, is that seduction? I mean, the seduction that they're talking about in the Norse mess, reading the stories, it's not really seduction if you fail. Seduction means the seduction they're talking about, the stuff you get sent to Nightwell Hell for, is the successful seduction where yes, it leads to sex okay now if that's the case if you're actually tempting someone into sex with you and they are already paired with someone uh marriage wise that is wrong so therefore it's wrong to then knowingly tempt someone to rob a bank on like purpose not for funsies not for Mm -hmm. anything funny but they actually do it so those are wrong but that still leads back to autonomy, because that would be that's that's your arguing point for these three uh, things yes. that get you in the Nightfall House that they break autonomy in some fashion. Yes. And I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, I guess the seducing of other men's wives is 
not so much you are breaking autonomy as you are a party to autonomy being broken. Okay, but I can agree still, with that. I can agree with that. The key central thing is okay, that's a good way to put it. It's the things don't so much have breaking don't have you breaking autonomy in common. They have the breaking of autonomy in common. And that's what they have. I think the moral principle being upheld there is breaking of autonomy. Do you or do you not break somebody's autonomy? Or, or no, I, I said it wrong. Yeah, if you're a party to did breaking you autonomy. or did you not? Did your actions or did your actions not lead to autonomy being broken? If the answer is yes, you did something wrong. If the answer is no, then you didn't do something wrong. Because it's a matter of like, like you said, breaking oaths. No, okay. Let's take a step back then. So breaking oaths is breaking autonomy. How? Because this leads to the next step. Because the oath then would be to be together and not see each other, see other people, and that would be the breaking of an oath. How does that then break autonomy? Because I want I want to peel okay. it back and we'll step it back. We'll All right, the, the breaking of O's, since autonomy is, I'll try to put this as simple as I can, since autonomy is the ability to make decisions, when you agree to something, you give me this, and I will get this, you cannot, and the person agrees to it, they have agreed to something, if you go back and change your end of the bargain, mm-hmm. The thing that they agree to is no longer the thing that's actually in existence. So you broke the contract that they agreed to and you broke their autonomy because they made the agreement with certain stipulations in mind. But as soon as you break those situations, you made what they agreed to null and void. Okay, so if you make an oath with another person, you're breaking autonomy. Now, Let's step or it another intelligent being. I mean, okay. I want to have aliens in here. Okay, let's let's take it a step back then. Let's say because this is still oaths, so you make an oath, you voice it out loud, mm-hmm. um, and the oath is it only involves you. It only involves your actions. It only involves anything that you're doing. You oath to yourself to say write a page, write a poem. Okay, you oath that you're okay. going to write a poem. And you never write a poem. Is that break autonomy some fashion? Well, it's weird, but yes, you have broken your own autonomy <laughs> because you have told your. Well, okay, first of all, people are not simple. I'm one entity. I mean. I know, I know. But, like, I want it to be as simple as we can just so I can see. Yeah, because you've broken an oath to yourself. There's actually another interesting way I can take this, so. Um, I don't know if you want me to get into that now because it's interesting, but it complicates the issue. Uh, or if I should hold on, hold off on that. Eh, we're 42 minutes in, and I'm not going anywhere or doing anything tonight, so whatever you want to do. <sighs> okay, this is going to be really a call to <laughs> ask. We create our universe through words. When we say things, we make reality. Um, if I say I'm going to the movies, you assume that in the near future I will go to the movie theater. I have made that a reality even though I've not physically done anything, or uh, it's more obvious when you write a story. You are creating a reality that 
exists because you've created it. Everything we talk about, we, you know, we use words like computers. I'm working on the computer. And because you use the word computer, you've created a certain reality. You've all of a sudden, instead of a big hunk of electrons and protons and neutrons flying around and a big chunk of mass, you have a computer. So when you speak, you create reality. Now, when you speak an oath to another person or to yourself, you have created a certain reality. As soon as you break an oath, you have actually broken your own reality. You said you're going to do something and you didn't. So you created a reality, but then you went, you turned around and made that reality you create not mesh up with the quote unquote real world. So as you break O's, you actually destroy yourself and you destroy the reality you've created. The reality you've created is the only reality that you live in. So when you break O's, you are actually destroying yourself, which is ironic because when you go to Nifel Hell, in my belief, one of the things that happens is you you slowly lose your will to live, and in the Battle of Ragnarok, you will actually be destroyed. So as you break your O's, you are actually destroying yourself, and I think that's part of what Nifel Hell is a symbol of, the destruction of the self. And the way you destroy yourself is by destroying the reality you've created, which is exactly what breaking an oath does. Interesting. I think that people should sit down and think about that. Maybe meditate, because yep, meditate. that is really interesting. Okay, all right. So it all leads back to uh, the world that you live in and having it being broken. Because if, if someone breaks their oath to you, that world has also been broken. Right. And, of course, if you're the one seducing the other man's wife, what you're doing is almost more heinous because you are, how do I say? You're destroying someone else's world. Yes. You're facilitating the destruction of another person's world, which wow. they upgraded. Which they upgraded? <laughs> which they have created. Oh, okay. See, well, I like upgraded. Maybe they upgraded. I like I upgraded. Know. That's funny to me. <laughs> Nonetheless, you are destroying the world that they have created. It's very true. And that's why it's wrong. Okay. All right, so the three ways to go to Nightfall Hell, let's review. And they all some relate to breaking of worlds now, because that's what it's come to, at least, in, at least as I'm interpreting it now with your interpretation. So, That's the occultist look at it. Well, I'm enjoying it because I think it actually makes a kind of sense as opposed well, to it's, just going straight saying it's breaking autonomy where uh, I think autonomy is restricting people's ability to do something, which I suppose in the case of it, it's not just a physical thing. And so when you restrict – when you kill someone, you're restricting their ability to do something because they're dead. When right. you when you um, break an oath, that's lying you're you're limiting their ability to rely on you and the ability mm -hmm. to uh, uh, kind of live in the world of ideas that you've created together. And it's the same thing when someone's being seduced. Right. So. Oh, that's the way I take it. Okay. So, and the three were um, murder. Murder. Which is not just killing somebody. It's killing somebody without them knowing it. 
kind of, or without their yes. without their agreement to duel or whatever, because dueling apparently is okay. Yeah, well, both people agree to fight for their fight to the death, and it's interesting to cement my point. Um, in Y'all Saga, it talks about what counts as murder and what doesn't, and one way to make it automatically murder is if you kill them at night, which it's really getting at: do you kill them in stealth? Do you sneak up to them and kill them? You know, basically without their permission, because you can go up and say, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you to a duel." And back then, the sense of honor was crazy high, so they'd be like, they wouldn't be like, "No, I'm gonna run away." They'd be like, "Okay, fine, we'll fight to the death." But it's very different if you sneak up to them in the middle of the night and just kill them because you didn't get an agreement that you would fight with them. You didn't give them a choice to refuse. Well, let's bring this into something else I was thinking about just now. Snipers. Mm, Are they murderers? If it's not on a battlefield, even if it is on a battlefield? Okay, well, I have to back up because if it's on a battlefield or not is extremely important. Okay. And this goes with war in general. Okay, so if if you are a soldier... You have basically given your oath, and you've basically, and that's the one reason I don't join the army, mm-hmm. you've basically given your autonomy to another individual, um, the general or really the country at hand. And the country says, okay, I've got these people, I own their autonomy, and hey, you other country, I'm going to war with you, and I'm going to throw these people towards you. And the other country is like, well, I'm going to throw these people towards me because they've given me their autonomy. And we agree to fight to the death. So because you've Mm -hmm. given your autonomy to the country, instead of keeping it for yourself, the leaders have the right to do with you whatever they want. So if the sniper is killing another soldier, then I do believe it is an act of war, and though unfortunate, and I, I hate to see it happen, I think it's morally um, ambiguous, I guess. I don't want to say it's morally right, but it's morally ambiguous because the leaders who own your autonomy now have agreed that they would fight to the death. However, if you're killing a citizen, um, an, uh, a civilian of any sort, then it's absolutely wrong. Okay, so the same thing goes with people who are dropping bombs. Say uh, America yes. dropped a bomb, nuclear bomb on Nagasaki or Hiroshima. What do you think? Well, did they drop a little tiny nuclear bomb that's so compact it only blows up military installations? No, they did not. Then no, that was wrong. Okay. And I don't care about that, Stu. Oh, we threw flyers out. Okay, that's better than nothing, sure. But still, I mean, the the poverty, impoverished family who can't even afford a car cannot look at that paper and be like, oh, let me move a million miles away where I'll be safe. <laughs> that, that's not a real choice. That's something to make you feel better about yourself. That's not mm-hmm. a real choice. Okay, so only... Uh Soldier versus soldier is fine. Other than that, that's not okay. And that would be yes. murder then. Um, unless... I hate well, to say murder, but I guess. It would be murder then, and unless the civilian is also armed? Unless the civilian is also armed and, you know, you're doing it in self-defense. In self-defense. Now, 
my my always problem with certain situations when I when I see military strikes against uh, places is oh that guy's got a gun. Well, if we're in America, some of us do have guns. Do we drop bombs on our civilians sure. that have guns? I mean, <laughs> we uh, haven't no. decla- like we're is not. Is this act- a prediction? Or... Okay, sorry. Now we're not <laughs> actually. Asking? Are we actually at war? Have we declared war anywhere? Or are we just in military actions everywhere? Well, mostly it's military actions, which is what you do if you have no justification for a war, but you still want to have one. <laughs> That's a little cynical. Now, that on that hand, uh, it's not soldier versus soldier. It's not two autonomous uh, countries uh, having at- autonomy controlled over individuals. It's uh, the United States having control autonomy uh, over soldiers right. and then sending them off against maybe not necessarily civilians, but like a country. Without them knowing it, that's like murder. If you're if you're attacking someone in the dark, sneak attacking, guerrilla war, guerrilla warfare, and all that. Well, and, and it it depends on the situation. Like if you're going to talk about the Bin Laden raid, I think it's different. He's given up his rights because he has killed people in the right, past, right. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, a lot of these like innocent civilians getting getting killed. No, I don't think that's right. And, you know, it was nice in the old days where you just amass two armies and they go at each other, usually on a big empty field. And, I mean, you don't have to worry about all these other things. You know, everybody's there and like, hey, we're going to kill each other. You guys can run away now if you want to, but we're going to kill each other and then the battle starts. All right. So uh, when I become world leader and I, I, I will allow other countries to exist, all other countries can exist. But the only way people can uh, have warfare and win another country, like say you want you want to get more land or something, is you have to attack with swords. Uh, that's the way to do it. <laughs> All right, so we've come up near the end of the show, and we have some picks to go through. But uh, any last words on this? I don't think so. Um, I think I've said what I wanted to say clear enough. Um, everything does come down to autonomy for for me, and I think it does for you too, I guess it's rather difficult to explain exactly what autonomy is. Um, And, you know, that's where the arguments really are going to happen. What is breaking another person's ability to make decisions? Does line fall into that? I Mm -hmm. believe it does. Uh, the, The exact definition of that word, or what we mean when we say that word, is is really at question, but no, I think I've said what I wanted to say. Okay, and I have kind of been converted over to the thinking that uh, seduction may be a part of breaking someone else's autonomy. It's it's a roundabout way, breaking of worlds. It, it was a bit of a thought process thing that I had to go through, but I can see that now. I, I didn't have the autism for you. I didn't have the gut feeling for it though. Mm. And that that's that was my initial reaction. That's why I wasn't thinking that way, because my gut feeling is uh, autonomy is specifically directly at cause for breaking autonomy. If if you're if you're uh, helping someone break autonomy, though, I suppose that's that's in there, too. And OK, that's how we defined it. Thank you once again for listening to the Huguenot podcast, episode 8.5. 
Hopefully that cleared some things up. And if you have any questions, remember you can always email me at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com or visit my website at www.hugenhoff.org. Thanks again for joining us. And episode nine will come out on the first next month and we'll be back to our monthly schedule. Thanks again for listening. Frau Hale.